Lesson 49. Hello again. Back in July of 2010, I did a lesson on creating HDR or high dynamic range images using a program called Photomatics. The version I was using for that show was 3.1 and they have since updated to a newer version. Well, I just want to say that from the moment I gave this newer version a try, I was absolutely blown away. This program will take your images, particularly night images, to a whole new and exciting level. Since some of you may not know what HDR images are, basically they are images that result from the merging of three different exposures of the exact same scene into a single scene. What makes HDR images so unique are the fact that you are actually blending a scene that is exposed normally, overexposed, and underexposed, resulting theoretically in a scene where everything is virtually exposed properly. The scene now has a dynamic range of tones, something that can't really be achieved in a single exposure. The images look really cool, almost dreamlike and surreal, but not near as dreamlike and surreal as they could be. And that's where the new Photomatics Pro version 4 comes into play. In the older version, they had the option to further enhance your images after merging them, but it was almost an afterthought. Version 4 has a new interface that puts all the options right there in front of you so that you can experiment with the settings like crazy, all in real time, before you choose to finally render or process the final image. The other night I decided to take my Nikon tripod to Old Worthington, the town center where I live. This was to be my first adventure at bracketing exposures at night specifically to create HDR images, so I wanted to leave nothing to chance. What you've been seeing here are some of the resulting HDR images from that shoot. As explained in Lesson 33, you need to bracket images by two stops either way in order to create an HDR image. Most of my shots were in the range of 1 half to 4 to 6 seconds at f5.6 with my ISO set at 400. While shooting, I mathematically determined what shutter speeds would under and overexpose since I was on manual mode and most of the shots were in the whole seconds range. You may not be particularly thrilled at computing your exposures this way on your DSLR, so here are some tips on how to bracket exposures while shooting on manual mode without fussing around with exposure compensation buttons and the like. Before I go any further, you may recall from other lessons that you simply can't use shutter priority or one of the other automatic settings to take night shots. Your camera's exposure meter can't accurately read the weak light in most night shots, so in turn, there's no way to determine your exposure settings. Therefore, you have to shoot on manual mode and basically guess on your exposure settings until you're successful through trial and error. My suggestion is to first set your aperture on f5.6 and keep it there. Then bracket your exposures by the way of shutter speeds. This will keep your depth of field consistent from shot to shot. After you've attached your camera to a tripod and composed your shot, choose a slow shutter speed, like say one second, and see how it looks. If it needs to be darker, shoot a faster shutter speed, and if it needs to be lighter, shoot a slower one. Once you've achieved proper exposure, you can then start bracketing. In this illustration, I've tried to simulate what the meter readout basically looks like in your viewfinder. Let's say that a shutter speed of 1 second in f5.6 gives you proper exposure, and you want to increase the exposure by two stops. Each increment on this readout is one-third of a stop, 
so you slowly turn your shutter speed knob a click at a time until you get to the two stop mark. You can see here that two seconds is one stop overexposed. You keep going down a third of a stop and until you finally get to four seconds, which is two stops overexposed. Now you'd take your shot and you have an exposure that is two stops lighter than your one second exposure. Now you need to take a shot that's two stops darker, so you return to your one second setting and click until you reach the negative two stop mark on the readout. Now you have three exposures at the proper settings and you're all set to create your HDR image. Next, I imported all my shots into Aperture so I could figure out what frames I wanted to use to create my HDR images. As you can see here, there's a lot of frames of each scene, all anywhere from one to two, and in some cases even three stops over or under exposed. After making my decision on what particular image I want to use for my HDR, I select all three exposures and drag the images directly into Photomatix Pro on my dock. The default setting in the first window has Merge for HDR processing checked, so I go ahead and click OK, which brings me to another window showing the three files, and I click OK again. The next window shows several settings you can make to remove noise, remove ghosts, and so on, but for now I'm just going to basically use the default settings. I can make changes later on if I decide I want to start over and fix something in the original images prior to processing. Now we're actually in the program, and what you see here is simply a preview of the three merged images. You'll actually process the image after you've made all your adjustments. And there is a plethora of adjustments you can make, and that's what makes this so fun and versatile. The best way I've found to deal with all these options is to begin with the preset thumbnails below the preview and click on each one until you see something you like. My absolute favorite is the painterly enhancer because it gives that illustration look, which I totally love. Yes, you could keep it conservative and not apply any of these enhancers and simply render a straightforward HDR image like I did in Lesson 33. But where's the fun in that? I want instant art and I want it now. Over here on the left is where you can fine-tune anything from the gamma to the color saturation to the black and white points. One thing you have to try are the lighting adjustments, which can create some really cool specular highlights in your image. You can start with natural, then go on to natural plus and on to medium, surreal, and surreal plus. This little tool can really make your image come alive and give it that special look. Experiment. That's the key. What you see here is only the tone mapping options. You can click on the exposure fusion mode and go a totally different route if you'd like. At any rate, once you've created an image you like, you render it by simply clicking the process button. The completed image appears within a moment or two, and it usually looks even better than the preview did. Go ahead and save the image and either create another version of the same frames by repeating the process, or move on to a totally different scene. You'll soon find yourself wanting to go out and take more night shots because this program is so addicting. Photomatix, believe it or not, is available as a free download for Mac or Windows that you can try out for yourself and not spend a cent. You will, however, have a big watermark on your final images. If you decide to purchase the Pro version, it's only 99 bucks, and in my opinion, money well spent. There's also a version called Photomatix Essentials that's only 39 bucks, it's simpler to use but lacking several of the features in the pro version. Quite honestly, I don't see how it can get much simpler than this, so I recommend the pro version. There are also plugins available for Photoshop CS2, 3, 4, and 5, as well as for Aperture, for easy access directly from these programs. 
Check it all out at HDRsoft.com and be sure to check out the gallery there featuring some wonderful examples of HDR images. If you create any HDR images that you'd like to share, why not post them on the Photography 101 Facebook page? We'd love to see them. Well, that's about it for now. I hope you've learned something new in this lesson. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.